0: Welcome to Afternoons. With me, I'm Bill Arnold, and I am looking forward to spending time with you today. I hope you've had a good day so far. It is uh, always nice to have Rob Louie to get my Tuesday started. He's been a faithful friend and a voice right from our nation's capital in Washington, D.C. He is, of course, the editor, uh, executive editor at The Daily Signal. I always look forward to getting my Tuesday started. Rob, welcome.
1: It's great to be back, Bill. Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you, boy. Talk about a busy news day. Oh my!
1: Oh yes, I mean it. Uh, it never stops. Yeah. <laughs> Particularly for those of us who who work in the news business, like yeah. like you and I do. Uh, it's uh, it's hard to keep up and. And, and I uh, just imagine for everybody else who's not responsible for following the news 24-7 how overwhelmed they must feel on a daily basis uh, just with, uh, with everything that's happening, not only in the United States of America, but also on the global scale. And, and certainly there is a lot happening there as well.
0: Yeah. So what is going on with uh, Russia? They're withdrawing troops. And uh, did Putin say that it was going to be an exercise and they, he performed it and now he's withdrawing back to their bases? What What's going on there?
1: Very, very confusing. Oh, is it ever? Obviously, yeah, exactly. Uh, it 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 seems that Russia is pulling troops. Of course, uh, President Biden gave a, a news conference earlier today. He said that they would not uh, that, that the Nord Stream Two pipeline is is you know now in doubt. If uh, if Putin decides to invade Ukraine, of course, Russia is counting on uh, that that pipeline to transport uh, energy. Uh, to the rest of Europe. So there's there's a lot, obviously, at stake for, for Putin and, and Russia here. And uh, and frankly, as you and I talked about last week, it's, uh, there's a pre- precedent for Russia to do this during the Olympic Games. It happened in 08 in, in Georgia. It happened in 2014 during the Olympics with Ukraine. So uh, I think many people were expecting tomorrow. In fact, just the, the reports coming out of Washington yesterday and, and from Ukraine was that Wednesday was going to be the day. But, yes, it does appear that uh, Moscow is now – uh, apparently um, changing its tune. Mm-hmm. I don't know uh, if we can attribute that to anything in particular other than Putin uh, likes to have the spotlight. Uh, he's had the spotlight on him over the last month uh, including when a lot of Americans were probably paying attention to the Olympics and other things. Uh, what were the images they saw? Well, they saw the, the leader of China and the leader of Russia standing uh, you know, hand in hand together and uh, that's been a powerful signal I think to, to countries around the world.
0: Rob, let's say the let's say the out loud part just right now, if there would have been an invasion in in Ukraine, what would the United States troops, what would they have done? And would it have been a situation where the U.S. would have felt that they were now at war with Russia?
1: So the Biden administration and a lot of Republicans, uh, this is this is an area, I think, of bipartisan agreement, did not want to send U.S. troops into harm's way in Ukraine. There was never really a serious proposal to put U.S. soldiers on the front lines of a war with Russia. The Ukrainians didn't ask the United States to do that. The Ukrainians obviously have their their own forces that, uh, that frankly, have, have been waging a war, engaging in a war with Russia now for seven, eight years, going back to the original conflict of Crimea. Uh, it's uh, it was a, a the longest uh, land war in Europe. Mm-hmm. Frankly, we we didn't. Nobody paid attention to it in the news media because it was happening in a foreign country and it was perhaps not you know, the, the daily combat that you would, you would necessarily hear news about. But, yes, there were still fighting going on. What the United States soldiers were primarily going to do is go to places like Poland where they would be near uh, the conflict but not engaged in the conflict. And you saw the United States pull its embassy out of Kyiv the capital of Ukraine, uh, and move it closer to Poland uh, for, for security purposes. So I don't think there was ever uh, a likely chance that the United States would be fighting directly against Russia, but you better believe that there were other tools in the, uh, the United States' uh, toolbox, uh, such as sanctions, uh, such as the threat over the Nord Stream 2 pipeline. Uh, you know, there is this longstanding question about what role NATO would have in all of this. Ukraine is not um, part of NATO uh, they may aspire to be in a future future uh decade but uh, there's a long way to go for for that to happen so it's um it's it's hard to say exactly and and I think again we just have to remember that with when you're dealing with uh, tyrannical leaders like Vladimir Putin or uh, Kim Jong-un of North Korea a lot of times they like the media spotlight themselves they're and what better way to get attention on you and your country than if you know assembling hundreds of thousands of troops uh, on a foreign country's border or or in the case of North Korea sending you know uh rocket launches into into orbit so you know there's a variety of tactics that we've seen these leaders use in the past bill, and I suspect that it's something that will continue and hopefully these ends in a in, in a peaceful situation and there's uh, not any lives lost and uh and I think we're not quite out of the woods yet with mm-hmm. uh with the situation in Ukraine, but let's hope we get there soon
0: yeah, I don't want you to think I'm the only one. That gets to ask questions to Rob Louie. If you have one yourself, you can send it over. You can send it via text to 877-933-2484. Rob, i got to be honest. This whole thing that's going on in Canada right now with the truckers is really interesting.
1: Oh, it absolutely is. and And frankly, I'm surprised. I think it was a mistake on the part of Justin Trudeau, the Canadian leader, to enact these emergency powers. I understand that he wants to... End this protest that's taking place um, and and disrupting the supply chain and blocking uh, you know roads and and just causing havoc in, in in Canada. At the same time, I think that probably the reaction of the Canadian citizens is going to be uh, much worse now that he has said essentially he's going to empower himself and the government uh, to do things that would just be unimaginable in America. But frankly. Perhaps not so much, I mean, if it's just happening for our neighbor in the north, and what I'm specifically talking about, Bill, is empowering the banks to go after those Canadian citizens who have shown financial, given financial support to the truckers. I mean, uh, can you imagine uh, the government coming in and seizing our bank accounts or taking our assets, you know, if that were to happen? Uh, a much better move on Trudeau's part would have been to follow the the trends that are taking place in our own country here in the United States. And you just see state after state and a lot of these led by Democrats, city after city, pulling back some of the COVID restrictions. That's essentially what the truckers want. They're tired of living in a country that has these mandates and regulations and restrictions related to COVID. And uh, and, and Trudeau apparently is is not ready to do that, uh, despite the fact that, um, you know, I think that hopefully the numbers are, are heading in the right direction.
0: Well, the mandates are going to eventually be lifted. So it seems to me that Doing it sooner than later would be a wise move for for the prime minister, but they don't put me in charge. I just do a weekday radio show.
1: And I have good news to report from Washington, D.C. Yesterday, the mayor here announced that uh, as of today, you no longer need to show your vaccine card to eat at a restaurant, uh, which, you know, is something that lasted all of about a month. Uh, She had so much blowback from not only the restaurant owners, but the residents. In a city where, you know, there is a high percentage, a majority of uh, black residents of Washington, D.C. are not vaccinated. So, I mean, think about the, the difficulties they, they would have um, in terms of using uh, these restaurants. And then she's also said that she's ending the mask mandate, mm. which I didn't expect to end anytime soon, uh, at the end of this month. Oh, so wow. you're, you're absolutely seeing, I think, a, a reaction, not just among Republicans and conservatives about these, these mandates, but even in liberal cities like Washington, D.C., where the residents say enough is enough. Uh, I think that coming out of Omicron and, and all of the uh, measures that were put in place, uh, they're ready to begin to move on. And again, I, we need to take COVID seriously. We've been taking it seriously now for, for two years. Uh, at the same time, I think that the American people uh, have, have learned how to use common sense and and go on with their lives in a way that doesn't disrupt everything from schools to, to work uh, to family gatherings, and, and hopefully that's where we're headed.
0: Mm-hmm. When I think of the truckers in Canada, though, I just want to add one more thing. It seems that the— what the prime minister is doing is causing them to dig even deeper and getting uh, rallying more freedom fighters. It seems that it's, it's almost backfiring on him a little bit.
1: Oh, I I agree with that assessment 100%. And it's not just in Canada where you're seeing that reaction. It's in countries across the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're starting to see similar tactics employed in Europe. Uh, there's a talk of uh, it happening right here in Washington, D.C., maybe around the the president's state of the union address so you're absolutely correct that uh that individuals are are reacting are are having the it's having the opposite effect than trudeau would would uh like to have happen and i i just don't i don't understand the 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 logic here about invoking this emergency powers act uh where it gives him and the government even greater control when that is what you're protesting and you know bill i talked to somebody else uh, this morning and, and they said you know where was where was this type of action when our cities were being destroyed by riots in the summer of of 2020? The 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 trucker convoy is a peaceful protest that's is very family friendly. yeah uh, <laughs> bouncy so, houses. Yeah, bouncy houses. Right. So I, I there's just um, some hypocrisy that comes along with it as well.
0: Hmm. Rob, I'm going to uh, take a quick break, but I already have a question up about uh, what's going on with uh, Spygate. I know this is a huge story and I'm curious as to how you feel it's being covered and what your take is on that. Rob Bluey is my guest. He's the executive editor from The Daily Signal. We'll be right back. should let you know Rob Blue is my guest, as that is his walk-up music. Rob Louie is the executive editor at The Daily Signal. You can always go to dailysignal.com, check it out. Just got a nice note from a listener in Canada, Rob. He said, I, I agree with everything you're saying. It is way too much government outreach. Trudeau likes power.
1: Uh, that's that's true. I mean, it, it's it's very true. And, and Bill, unlike maybe some of the, the Democratic governors and the, and the mayors and even President Biden, who, who? by the way, we this just went under the radar after the Supreme Court decided that his uh, OSHA workplace mandate was unconstitutional. You notice that they just dropped that. They decided right. not to try to rework it to make it constitutional. So I, I think that the difference between the United States and Canada right now is maybe they're looking at some of the polling numbers and realizing that this is not a winning issue, and particularly in an election year, you don't want to be out there offending large uh, large numbers of voters and of course we know that the president's approval rating is 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 down uh, significantly now that a lot has to do with inflation but i'm sure that uh COVID is uh, is a factor that's contributing to it as well so i hope that we continue to move in a, in a positive direction and fortunately it seems that even though we have more cases recently of COVID in the country they're not as serious the omicron variant fortunately hasn't been as deadly Um, But we do more in the lives of of those 900,000 Americans um, who've who've perished because of COVID in one way or another.
0: Mm -hmm. We just found out that special counsel John Durham on February 11th, he filed uh, revealing that a technology company working with the Hillary Clinton presidential campaign improperly used its access to Internet servers at the White House to spy on the president. That's going to be trouble, it sounds like.
1: It certainly is. You would think that this would be front page news and in, uh, in papers and broadcasts uh, across the country. Unfortunately, it's it's not received the attention that it deserves. Fred Lucas did a great report on it for the Daily Signal, and uh, encourage your listeners to to check out his um, his reporting to to learn more about it. But just in summary, Bill, I would say that this is a a significant criminal act. I mean, it's one thing uh for for them to spy on a campaign which is bad enough but for this to continue and be carried out when donald trump was actually in the white house uh is just something that i never imagined would would take place i think that we need to hold people accountable we need to get to the bottom of this figure out why now uh four years later five years later are we just finding out of this uh this this encroachment on uh, on the president and uh and you know i i not particularly optimistic with the current composition of Congress that they 're going to do the oversight that's needed, but hopefully in the future we'll get, uh, we'll get leaders who are, are willing to ask those tough questions
0: yeah, I, I never think that anything is going to really come of it uh, because when you deal with players as big as the Clintons or the Trumps or, or whoever in history, it seems that they they don't uh, are not held accountable.
1: That's that's a, a fair point. Um, you you uh, I mean, recently, obviously, there's been some chatter that Hillary Clinton might run for president again in 2024. I mean, certainly if she does, I, I think that this is is worth uh, some serious investigation and, and figuring out. I don't know if that will, will actually come to fruition. I have my doubts that, uh, that that may be just dreaming on the part of some some Democrats to replace uh, Biden on the ticket. But you're you're right Uh There are. Um, this is uh, a situation where the Clintons have shown over and over again that they will use whatever tactics necessary to, to get uh, in political office. And the whole notion that we were told as an American people about Russia and collusion and everything else that came with the Steele dossier and all of that news that happened in 2016 and dominated the headlines in 2017 has all been unraveled. And I think news organizations that really peddled some of these stories and and probably didn't ask the tough questions at the time uh, really owe the American people an apology and and need to step up and and let us know what the truth is. And so it's been disappointing that since this news broke over the weekend – that there's been very little coverage of it. So we're trying to do our part at The Daily Signal. Uh, this is one of the reasons why we created The Daily Signal almost eight years ago was to tell the stories that, that other uh, outlets wouldn't do. And so we'll continue to do that, Bill. And, uh, and we appreciate uh, you know, the opportunity to talk about it with your listeners because it's important that they know about these things.
0: Yeah, I'm Rob Louie is my guest, executive editor at The Daily Signal. And Rob, you wrote an our article at The Daily Signal, which is up right now, about election integrity. I'd love for you to talk about that.
1: Sure, I talked to Cleta Mitchell, who is one of the foremost experts on election integrity in this country. Uh, Cleta is doing something that I think is really commendable. She's trying to empower citizens to be more engaged at the local level in their own community and to get involved with elections. So, obviously, you know this can happen at the local level with school board elections. It could happen when federal offices, and uh, you know, on the Election Day in November come up. This is obviously a big year for midterm elections. All members of the House and, and a third of the senators are, are up for election and, and, and a lot of governors as well. And what she is asking citizens to do is to volunteer and make sure that they have a presence at the poll. She says that far too often there is not parity. Uh, Republicans and Democrats are supposed to be uh, there uh, observing these elections in equal numbers. And for whatever reason, the Democrats have just outnumbered Republicans uh, far too often. She says it really doesn't matter who ends up winning even. It's just about securing and protecting our democracy and, and the voting process in our country. And so she's put together a citizen's guide, and uh, it's it's uh, really just um, a, a, a great call to action. She inspired me. I, I think I want to do this next Election Day in in a Virginia, Bill, uh, just to, to do my part. I've been a poll watcher before and it's been many years uh, since doing that, but uh, it's really an important role that I think we can take individually uh, to make a difference.
0: Mm-hmm. A question came in regarding our previous discussion about the new information coming out on the spying uh, scandal. And the question was, how would Rob compare this new information to Watergate?
1: Well, my, my colleague, Mike Howell, says it's uh, – he described it as a high-tech Watergate. Okay. So it's uh, – I mean, whereas, whereas Watergate, obviously, we can go back to the history of, of President Nixon and, and uh, the, the spying of the Democratic National Committee and, obviously, you know, Nixon's role later on, which led to his resignation, um, certainly was, was, was done at a time when you didn't have the advanced technology that exists today but yes the fact that there was uh this, this eavesdropping and this uh, <laughs> attempt to to conduct this uh this disinformation campaign against uh, president trump uh, is alarming. And so I, I, is it worse? You know, I think we need more information. Remember, this was just a filing from the special counsel. This is not the final report. I think we're probably still likely to find out a whole lot more once that final report is out. Of course, we've been waiting on this report now for years. President Trump was hoping it would have been out before the last election, and uh, it's uh, they're clearly taking their time. They're getting to the bottom of what's, what what went on. And uh, and John Durham, I think, will have a blockbuster when he uh, finally submits it.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Rob, is big tech an enemy of the American people?
1: Well, it, it appears that way, Bill. Unfortunately, you know, years ago, I I saw great promise in in what the technology platforms offered. It gave uh, individuals uh, like you and me and organizations like Faith Radio and The Daily Signal an opportunity to communicate to millions of people without the barriers that uh, that we once faced. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're having to go through different filters uh, to get our message out. But today, almost on a consistent basis, conservatives and Christians are finding themselves censored with the content that they post. And so I think it's time for us to take some some serious action, Uh, both at uh, the individual level and what you are what you and your listeners do on a daily basis making sure that if you feel like you're being blocked or censored with the posts you're putting up on Facebook or Twitter you speak out about it I think there's a role for states to do uh, to take action here and I think that most importantly uh, the federal government needs to, to step up its game and whether there's a bipartisan solution right now I'm not sure I don't foresee anything happening this particular year. But I think that Republicans or Democrats, if they care about the freedom and the fact that these have become the new public square in our country, they need to step up their game as well.
0: I saw a story, Rob. This I think it was last week, uh, a woman that was writing something on her social media platform supporting uh, the Canadian truckers. I think she lived in Canada. And there was a uh, police officer that came to her door, letting her know that they were watching what she was saying.
1: Mm, yeah, it's it, well, and that's the other thing. We 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 have seen how the government is is largely uh, in in cahoots with these tech firms. Uh, we've seen Jen Psaki from the White House podium admit as much. And so yes, whether it's in in a, in a foreign country or whether it's here in the United States, I think anything that you're sharing online, you should expect somebody to be closely monitoring that, or particularly if you come under the watchful eye of government, uh yes, uh those things could come back uh to to haunt you. So so be careful about what you share publicly always, you know, think before you hit uh hit that tweet button, and uh, and remember that uh, this is a serious issue. Uh, th- this is not like it was just a handful of years ago when these platforms were largely staying out and letting the, the content flow freely. The algorithm algorithms and the people that they have working behind the scenes are keeping a close eye on what we're doing.
0: Yeah, Rob, you said something very inspirational today. A listener said, great encouragement about serving as an election judge. Don't let anyone tell you that judges are not needed. Dig deeper on how to get involved.
1: Great. That's wonderful. 100% behind it.
0: Yeah, I, I, I agree. Is there an imbalance of uh, uh, judges when it comes to the parties?
1: It depends on the locality. So okay. for instance, here in Virginia this year, it was better but it probably wasn't where it needs to be. But in cities like Detroit, for instance, I know that there's still a significant imbalance. And so how you overcome that is a a particular challenge. But you know what? Uh, If people start showing up, we might be able to uh, to even the playing field.
0: Yeah, I love it. Rob, thanks again for being with me on Tuesday to get the the, uh, show started. Always look forward to talking to you and always appreciate your wisdom and and today, inspiration. Thank you. Thank you, Bill. Have a good one. You bet. Rob Louie's been my guest. He is Again, the executive editor at The Daily Signal. You head over to dailysignal.com. You can check it out. After a short break, Dr. Alex McFarlane is going to be joining us. I can hardly wait. Welcome back, Dr. Alex McFarlane. He knows what he believes about God and His Word, and he seeks to let the Lord and the Word shape his life. That's one of the things I really admire about Alex, and I look up to him and the way he does Life and the way he puts the word of God into his life and applies it, and I am always inspired by that. And he is um, the founder of the Truth for a New Generation. He's authored over twenty books, and he's always nice to have on the show when he comes on. Alex, welcome. Well, thank you, Bill. It's always
2: great to be with you. Yeah. And uh, how are things with Faith Radio? They are doing spectacular. Thank you for asking. The
0: Afternoon Show is a blast. I love it. I love who I get to be with, and uh, the listeners are amazing. And I love them all.
2: Well, amen. It's it's always good to be on. And You know, you and I have been doing this for quite a number of years, actually. What? Four or five years, I suppose? Yeah. 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 And I always
0: uh, appreciate when you come on, because you have not only the heart of an evangelist, because you are an evangelist. But you 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 do apologetics and you think critically. You have a brain for history, and you have such a soft, gentle side that those are such qualities. I love all together in one package, which is basically Alex McFarlane. So um, to I want God be the glory. Yeah, if, of course, if, if it, any of that be true, we give God the glory. Of course. Now, yes. um, yeah. So I think you're very kind. The m- point I'm kind of getting to is. It is so critical that we live in this day with a sense of urgency about reaching the lost for Christ.
2: And oh, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, you know, primarily um, because the Lord told us to. You know, <laughs> exactly. Jesus said, "You know, uh, proclaim the gospel to every creature." That's Mark sixteen fifteen, and Matthew twenty eight eighteen through twenty. Uh, the Lord said, "Go into all nations, make disciples, which are." Uh, a, a disciple, by the way, being a consistent, obedient, learning follower. Um, sometimes I'll be like on panels or something, and people say, well, evangelism is urgent because the world is very dark, and people are lost, and there's all manner of sin and, you know, falsehood out there. But I would say the fundamental um, incentive for being a witness and being invested in the gospel is because our our Lord told us to, you know. Uh, but... Uh, Yes, the world needs Jesus, and what a privilege. Uh, I mean, people are searching for answers. Bill, listen to this. I was in a board meeting back um, in late November, shortly before December, um, part of the Billy Graham ministry, and I have the, the great honor of serving on one of the boards that make up that ministry, the Radio and Broadcasting Board. But um, Will Graham was sharing that over the last year and a half, two years, You know, we're coming up on the second anniversary of... The world of COVID, you know, it was kind of like late February, early March of 2020. But of the top five most searched questions um, on, you know, Google and whatever web browser, but three of the five were variations of questions like what happens after death? Mm-hmm. And um, it, does the soul survive death? And how can I know God? And so uh, when I hear this, two things, it kind of stirs my heart, Bill, that people really are spiritually hungry. I mean, people of all ages Googling, you know, what happens after death and how how may I be sure to be right with God? But the other thing it tells me is the church lives in a time of great opportunity. Bill, I I honestly believe we are maybe in the greatest time of spiritual opportunity in, in our entire lives.
0: I couldn't agree more. I think that's spot on, Alex, and and thank you for reminding us of that. I am always encouraging people to start a conversation, even if you think uh, it may not end well, because you never know. You know. It can always you can always start a conversation, and if it doesn't go well, you've always got another chance to say, "Can we talk about this again?" Yeah. But it's not starting anything, which I think is a problem for a lot of people.
2: Yeah. And you never know. Bill, I, I well remember when I was a 21-year-old college student, very, very lost, very unsaved. But um, there was a guy at work that I respected. He was a little bit older than me, and he had saved up and bought a car. And unlike myself, he was very well-disciplined, and you know, his name was Rick Davis. And one day, he, he just mentioned that he was a Christian and that had I thought about going to church and it was just totally random out of the blue but it it really stopped me in my tracks and i've talked to uh, my friend rick davis he doesn't he says he doesn't even remember this <laughs> but it was a guy a little bit older than me he seemed to have it together i respected him and he just asked me if i was a christian and would i come to church now it would be several weeks later that i would go to a bible study and at 21 i heard the gospel And opened my heart to Jesus Christ. But I mean, it was a very significant moment that possibly for the first time made me think about my soul. And I say that to people because um, you just never know. The seed you sow, the word you share, that might be the thing that God uses in somebody's heart, and it absolutely changes the trajectory of their life and their eternity. So, so, let's like Rick Davis did for me let's sow those seeds and point people to the gospel.
0: you know this is something I seem to say often, Alex, but there's nothing inconsequential in god's economy every amen. every interaction, every conversation, everything God can use for his purpose and for his glory
2: amen, but, you know i uh, bill i I probably sound like a broken record, I quote the Bible so much, but i, I just believe that's why I have the word you of on God. Huh. <laughs> Praise the Lord, yeah, you know it is our it is our source you know of truth, and it's our roadmap for life, but you know I take great comfort in scriptures like isaiah fifty five that says the Word of God does not return void mm-hmm. but will accomplish the purpose for which God sent it but then first corinthians fifteen fifty eight now first Corinthians fifteen talks about the resurrection, and you know Christ was seen alive and and the, the line of reasoning there really is, you know, if, if if Jesus can conquer the grave, he can conquer whatever problems we're facing, including our own sin. But here's the thing. Paul closes out 1 Corinthians 15 with verse 58. It says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Now, the word steadfast is an ancient construction term, oddly enough, like the footings under a building. So in Christ, I mean, we are secure, we are steadfast, we're solid, and we, we can joyfully, confidently go about living for Jesus, serving Jesus, because we know our labor in the Lord is not in vain. I, I like the word you said, you know, it's, it's not inconsequential. It is consequential. And it matters whether you're. I mean, we know the the minister preaching a pulpit in a sermon. Okay, that's important, sure. But being a friend, sharing a, a smile, serving on a committee, and emptying the waste baskets, volunteering at church. I really believe whatever you know, whatever you do uh, for the Lord, it is not in vain. It, it truly does matter. Mm-hmm. And
0: when people. Place their faith and trust in Christ, I think of first john five thirteen these things i have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God, just amen. that beautiful assurance, that beautiful knowledge of knowing when we've placed our faith in God we are we are saved
2: amen, you know um People email me a lot, and they'll, you know, people will ask questions, you know, I used to be a Christian, but, you know, I've fallen away, and I did this or that. Would I still go to heaven? Um, In fact, I had John Stossel after, in 2015, I was on some show with John Stossel. We've actually been on a couple of shows, but John Stossel, he said, and I quote, he said, I'm envious of you. you. You talk like you know God personally. (laughs) <laughs> and I said, well, well I do, but yeah. I said it's not, I'm not boasting, it's certainly not me, but I said 1 John 5, 13, and Bill, I'm so glad you shared that wonderful passage, it's one of my favorite verses, but it says, you know, these things were written to you, who believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know you have eternal life, and the word there, K-N-O-W, certain, absolute knowledge, uh, we get the word, certitude or certainty from that and it's not based on us certainly not based on our performance or you know brownie points or anything but we've got to take God at his word and so bill and maybe there's somebody listening and they're worried and you know if I were to die heaven forbid but if if COVID took my life or if you know when I leave this world am I really ready to meet God well you can bank on the Scripture. The Bible says that God cannot lie. God will not mislead you. And you take Scripture. The Bible says, 1 John 5, 1, whoever believes that Jesus is the Son of God is born of God. And um, if there's anything that has gotten my life off of the emotional treadmill and onto the stable, solid rock of of confidence, it's believing what the Bible says says about Jesus, and what the Bible says about my relationship through faith in Jesus, the more I've gotten Scripture into my mind and heart, the more stable and, frankly, joyful my life has become, Bill.
0: Yeah, and that's why it's easy for you to say what you said to John Stossel.
2: Yeah, and and I always say this, I've said this to people everywhere. You're right, I do know the Lord, but it's certainly no virtue of mine. It's all Jesus, but the Bible promises whosoever will may come. And hey, John Stossel, um, uh, Geraldo Rivera, I've said this to him, Jesus is as close by as a prayer. And I'll say that to all of your wonderful listeners, Bill. Jesus is as close by as a prayer, and if you call out and turn to him, he will receive you. Mm -hmm.
0: And Alex, I know there's probably some people listening that that think well that's too easy that you know and, and there are some people who say that that would be easy easy believism which means what do you have a transformed life or are you just intellectually understanding something and agreeing to it so I'll, I just we talk about the significance of placing your faith your trust and your allegiance in God and how that might be um, how that might sound different to some people
2: yeah uh, it, it it really it it is easy and yet it's the most costly decision you'll ever make. Because let me let me say salvation is free. Jesus paid our, our debt on the cross. But living for Jesus really will cost us. And yet it is the most liberating, empowering, life-giving thing. Um, there's, there's a two-sided coin. And maybe we'll talk about this after the break because I know uh, time is not unlimited here but uh, (laughs) there's salvation that's an event you put your faith in Jesus and then there's Christian growth that's a lifelong adventure right and you know that as we let Jesus be the Lord of our life yeah there are gonna be some hard crossroads that you're gonna have to navigate maybe even some behaviors and relationships and attitudes that the Spirit of God will change. But I will tell you, as a, a believer, the more you sanctify and you let Jesus be your Lord and Master, that's the most alive you'll ever be when Jesus is on the throne of your heart. Mm-hmm. Alex,
0: let's jump into that uh, deep end of the pool, and we come back from our break. Dr. Alex McFarland is my guest. You can go to alexmcfarland.com com learn more about Alex. We'll be right back. my guest. He's a Christian apologist, author, evangelist, religion and culture, analyst, and advocate for biblical truth. So, Alex, when I said we'd jump into the deep end, I would kind of love to do that.
2: Well, it's an honor to be on with you, and I, I so appreciate Faith Radio. Before we return to that most important of subjects about our relationship with Jesus, I want to say how much I appreciate you and Faith Radio, and I, I know you probably know this, but let me just uh, reiterate, thanks... Thank you for touching so many millions of lives, my own included, by broadcasting great godly content Mm. uh, daily.
0: Well, I I love doing it, and I I just want to say I know you've got a big event tonight for Truth For A a New Generation, and you can learn more about that at truthforanewgeneration.com. And despite all the activities you're probably preparing your talk for tonight, you still made time to be on my show.
2: Well, amen. Well, I, I value everybody's prayer. We have a fundraising event, and uh, just what we've done for like 24 years is uh, it, w- events, publishing, broadcasting, you know, with Truth for New Generation Ministries. I do a, a lot of speaking. We organize conferences and apologetics mm-hmm. conferences, although COVID kind of, you know, threw a, a curveball into the conference world. We did do a conference last fall, October of last year. That was our first post-COVID conference, and it was attended by people from 14 states. And uh, as we get closer, I'll I'll give you some more information, but we're probably going to be doing an event in Oklahoma City in the fall of 2022. But we do have a camp, and let me just say this, every summer we do a youth camp, and we've done this for many, many years, but the theme of our camp is unashamed building your biblical worldview. And we will be an hour east of Raleigh, North Carolina, July 17th through 22nd. Now we've we've rented camps all over, you know, California, Texas, all over America. It just so happened in my home state of North Carolina, last summer I spoke at a camp and uh my wife said, this is a really nice camp. There's horseback riding and ropes course and, you know, all the fun camp stuff. But what we're we gonna be doing, Bill, July 17th through 22nd uh is we're for one thing talking about what it means to be a follower of Jesus mm-hmm. but then we're going to be talking about the biblical worldview and helping kids really get a handle on what it means to be a Christian because um as much as I believe in education and I do I mean I've for the majority of my adult life I've uh you know been involved in education but unless a student really has a solidly biblical worldview and unless they go to a solidly Christian school, my goodness, American education is just a land, you know, it's a minefield of false beliefs. So what we try to do, middle school, high schoolers, we try to make sure that they're grounded in the Word of God. They can understand what they believe, defend their faith. And, and I'm going to say this too: more and more we talk about America. You know, we don't want kids to become Marxist or secularist. So, you know, my website is alexmcfarlane.com. We have people coming from across the country. It's going to be a blast. We've got, you know, chaperones, insurance. It's every base is covered. Mm -hmm. But we're going to be talking about knowing Jesus, defending your faith, and loving God and country. And it's our joy to uh, do our best to make an impact in the lives of young people every year. We ship out product. But anyway, all that back to your original point, for which I'm grateful. We do have a fundraiser tonight, so I appreciate everybody praying for us as we Thanks. raise yeah. funds to do the work of the Great Commission.
0: Amen. All right, let's get back into that deep end of the pool.
2: All right. Hey, you know what's amazing is, all right, salvation is the same for everybody. Turn to Jesus. But in a way, Bill, sanctification is different for everybody. Mm-hmm. You know... um, Hebrews 12, one and two says, you know, seeing we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race set before us. Now, what what one person struggles with may not be what somebody else struggles with. And, you know, a brilliant thing. I've shared this on the show, but I had an attorney friend named Bob Shearer. He's in heaven now. But he said It's the cross of Calvary that gets us into the the kingdom, but it's the cross of sanctification that gets the kingdom in us.
0: Ooh, I like that.
2: Yeah. The day he said that, I was like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Repeat that. He said, (laughs) what? Yeah. What? I said, Bob, that was profound. And he thought back. He kind of did the rewind in his head. He goes, it's the cross of Calvary that gets us into the kingdom, but it's the cross of sanctification that gets the kingdom into us. And I said, that, that might be the most sublime Christian observation I've ever heard. So all of that said this, folks. You put your faith in Jesus, you're born again. Salvation is an event. And I would encourage everybody to ask yourself, you know, was there a time when I consciously chose to put my faith in Jesus? I admit, Lord, I admit I'm a sinner. Lord, I believe Jesus is the Son of God, like he said. And I believe when he died on that cross, yes, he died for the whole wide world, but he did it for me. But I remember I was in a college class, 21 years old, and I'd been going to this Monday night Bible study, and I was just trying to process all this. And, and I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking, okay, Jesus died for the world, you know, um, John 3:16, And then I realized Jesus gave his life for the world, and that includes Alex McFarland. And it was all I could do not to cry. I mean, it was joy. It was overwhelming. I'm I'm sitting in a college classroom, and I was just overwhelmed to, to realize that out of love, he went to that cross for Alex McFarlane. So, number one, salvation is an event where you put your faith in Jesus who loves you. Yes, he loves you, but sanctification is a lifelong adventure where we... Lay aside every weight. We consciously daily feed our soul and try to become more and more Christ-like. And uh, it really... I'm going to say this, and then I want your response. Yeah, when you turn to Jesus, your sins are washed away. Your name is in the Lamb's Book of Life. But honestly, Bill, I don't think you truly become yourself until you let Jesus be your Lord and Master. In Jesus... You will find your purpose in Jesus. You will find daily joy. Um, and I know people think, um, well, I don't want to become a Christian because it would inhibit you know, who I am. No, you're not, you're not really going to find yourself until you put yourself in the hands of the Savior.
0: I agree, Alex. I don't think you can even begin to know who you are until you know who you are in Christ. And you, you're not going to find out who you are in Christ until you study his word. Amen. Amen. And then you're going to have to come to this place where you say to yourself, who has that privileged place of authority in my life? And if if it's you, well, then you're, you still have a lot more sanctification to go. I, I Maybe that's the, yeah. the whole lifelong journey.
2: Yeah. And, and you know what? Every now and then I've had um, young people, especially guys, they're like, well, you know, if I became a Christian, if I if I came out really bold for Jesus, you know, my friends might make fun of me or something like that. Or, But here's the thing. Um, that, that friend or, you know, the peer pressure thing, that friend that we put so much, uh, you know, emphasis on, you know, what are they going to think? Well, you know, they didn't hang on a cross and die for you. Hmm. Uh, Jesus did, you know, and they couldn't they couldn't do that but we we worry what people think and what might somebody say and if i come out of the closet as a a bible believing christian what what are my friends going to think well be careful that the opinion of your neighbor hasn't become an idol because you know anything in our life that we um are more invested in than the opinion of christ is really kind of kind of an idol you know uh and, and that friend didn't hang on the cross for us and Jesus did. But hey, you mentioned um the word of God. All right, you know I love quotes, I love history, and I'm go. sure you'll recall the name of the famed British preacher, Charles Spurgeon. Mm-hmm. Um he was reading Romans four about the righteousness of Christ and uh you know how we put our faith in Jesus and the standard for heaven is accredited to to us, righteousness. We are declared righteous if we put our faith in Jesus. All right, Spurgeon wrote this. I thought it was beautiful. He said, the righteousness of Christ is a mirror, a hammer, and a whip. The righteousness of Christ is a mirror in which we see our own unrighteousness. It's a hammer that smashes our self-righteousness. And the righteousness of Jesus is a whip that drives us to the cross. That's that's poetic, but that's oh, powerful, never. isn't
0: it? It's so powerful. Yeah, it is. Um, Spurgeon always, could turn a phrase, couldn't he? Oh, could he ever? Yeah, I've got a devotional of his. I, I love reading all the time. So it's um, it's always important to be uh, reminding ourselves that we need to uh, stay in God's Word all the time, and mm-hmm. we need to repent, and we need to uh, constantly share the hope we have in Christ with others. Pretty simple.
2: It is it is, and you know um, we don't have to be all sanctimonious and up on some spiritual high horse, I mean, I think people see it, so I was um in college, and i I sold cars for a while, because i I'm like really into cars, really, and uh so anyway, one day this these two guys that were salespeople, I worked part time at a car dealership selling new cars, and uh it was hard work actually, made some money though, but yeah, these we're two down guys, to thirty day, seconds,
0: Alex, just so you know
2: they kind of cornered me they were like what's up with you i was like what what do you mean they said um you you don't ever use and they listed a few words that everybody else (laughs) used but i didn't use he said what's your what's your deal and i said well i'm a christian i don't first of all i don't need those words and i hope i have enough vocabulary that i really (laughs) don't need those (laughs) yeah but um i had never mentioned the gospel but they i got to share the gospel because they noticed that i didn't curse a blue streak. That's
0: fantastic. Alex, thanks again for being with me. I always look forward to time together. You're a blessing, Bill. I give my best to everybody at Faith Radio. Yep. Take a short break. When we come back, Jeff Dorn. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.